You're listening to episode 42 of the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast, Ear Infections 101 with Dr. Tyler Schwanz. Prosper, flourish, bloom with your people, your close-knit group, your clan, straight out of area code 419 with the most cutting-edge, controversial, and enlightening information from the most knowledgeable experts in everything, mind, body, and soul. Welcome to the Thrive Tribe 419 Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Hollow. Hello, Tribe. I hope you're doing well. Everyone seems to be in a good mood lately because it seems that spring and maybe summer has finally arrived. So hooray for that! Ohio sure is a hard place to be during the winter, but boy, when spring rolls around, it is such a great place to be. And I'm really excited today to welcome Dr. Tyler Schwanz back to our podcast. His last episode with us was one of our most popular, I think it's in the top three, actually, most popular episodes that we've done in our first year of podcasting. So I am really excited to have him back. He is a great speaker and I think that you will really enjoy this. So tonight we're talking about ear infections and um, basically some natural treatments that we can try before we start to look at ear tubes and antibiotics and all those other um, more conventional treatments. So if you're interested in natural treatments for ear infections for your kids or for yourself, this is definitely for you. And I know that during the summertime, we don't really see as many ear infections, but if your kids are going to the pool a lot, um, I know that my daughter, especially, um, her ear infections tend to pick up again kind of in the middle of the summer if she gets water in her ears. So I am kind of interested to hear what Dr. Tyler has to say about this. But before we get started, I want to introduce him. So Dr. Tyler Schwanz, who is a doctor of chiropractic out at Rebel Chiropractic in Waterville, Ohio, graduated from The Ohio State University, and then went on to receive his doctorate of chiropractic degree from Life University in 2012. He graduated at the top of his class with a distinction in chiropractic philosophy and a university award for representing integrative change. He has a passion for communicating a message of hope and healing to those who need it most. Dr. Tyler, is one of the few chiropractors in the state to adjust using the Gonstead technique, which is known as the gold standard of chiropractic techniques. And he is a member of the Ohio State Chiropractic Board Association, the Northwest Ohio Chiropractic Association, the National Board of Chiropractic Examiners, um, and the Awake Coalition for a Drug-Free Community. He is a board member of that. I'd also like to thank my husband, Matt Hollow, for being our primary sponsor of this podcast. Matt is a licensed professional clinical counselor who provides simple and effective tools for emotional freedom, and he is more of a holistic mind-body-spirit connection minded practitioner. So if you're interested in learning more about him, His services are all laid out for you online at www.matthollow.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-O-L-L-O, no W, dot com. 
Matt has been practicing behavioral health professionally for almost two decades, and his experience covers a vast array of specialties, including child-focused play therapy, severe mental illness, domestic violence offenders and victims, substance abuse and addiction, and trauma, including veterans with PTSD. Matt's specialty is emotional freedom techniques, which combines an evidence-based combination of acupressure point tapping with neuro-linguistic programming to equip the user with an effective tool that can help bring calm and peace to one's life in the face of fear, addiction, trauma, anxiety, and more. He provides dynamic interactive group demonstrations, individual sessions, and classes that leave people of all ages equipped to begin using this technique at home. And he is opening his own private practice, and his first patients will be seen in July. So again, if you would like to learn more about him or schedule a session, he will be taking insurance. Again, go to www.matthollow.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-O-L-L-O.com. Now let's welcome Dr. Tyler Schwanz to the podcast. Hello, Dr. Tyler Schwanz. Thanks for being on the podcast again. You bet. Hi, Rose. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. So, of course, my first question is always, how are you thriving in the 419? Uh, Well, currently, my three-year-old just turned three last week, so we are uh, potty training uh, with him. And uh, never before have I answered the question, do you want to come watch me go to the bathroom? And my answer would be yes, absolutely. So (laughs) that is uh, my reality right now, and that is how I am thriving in the 419. Ah, parenthood. Yes. (laughs) Well, happy birthday to your little guy, and uh, good luck with all of that. (laughs) Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It's kind of exciting and kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's super weird, and uh, but I'm I'm loving it. I mean, I've never celebrated him pooping or peeing so much, but uh, he's super psyched <laughs> about it. He wants to. He asked me if we could tell his friends that he went poopy in the potty, and I said, "Yeah, sure, if you really want that." And he said, "Oh yeah." So. All right. Yeah. He's like. <laughs> it is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean it's a huge, huge. Uh, benchmark in his life for sure he's going to be able to survive in society if he can do that exactly well i know being a parent has changed how i think about things so profoundly Mm -hmm. you know it just gives you a whole new perspective on life and tonight we're going to be talking about ear infections which also i feel like is a big topic for parents because kids get a lot of ear infections. I know it tends to typically be kids and I know adults do too, but I'm wondering how becoming a father has changed how you view treating kids' illnesses like ear infections. Yeah. I think becoming a father has given me a new layer of compassion for parents that come to see me and they're all freaked out and they don't know what to do, or maybe something happened in the middle of the night and they acted on instinct or they acted quickly or they come in and they're like, yeah, X, Y, Z happened. And we did this. We didn't really want to do it, but we did it anyway because we didn't know what else to do. I have an added layer of compassion for them and understanding that when things happen, if you've never seen it before, it's scary. And you're going to do anything that anyone tells you what to do. Um, 
for your child in a moment if you think it's going to help them, if you think that they're in danger, because you just want them to feel better in the moment. You just want them to heal better. Um, so yeah, I think becoming a father has given me, it's made me a better doctor simply because I can better understand when people come in and they've done, they've done a procedure or something that they didn't necessarily totally understand, or maybe in a different light without, uh, as much emergent, um, theme to it. They might've made a different decision, but I try not to make people feel judged or, or, uh, badly about any sort of thing that's already happened. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that um that has changed me uh from being from being a parent and just asking this asking the question like what are you going to do when they get an ear infection not if but when because it's not a matter of if because they are going to if you go to church and you put them in daycare you know if you or the child care oh, yeah. if you go to any kind of mom's groups and you put them in the you know the babysitters there if you go out to dinner and somebody watches them and they've been outside or if they go to school like they are going to catch something no matter how healthy they are and if they get sick it doesn't mean that they're not healthy kids it just means that they're being exposed to things that they've never been exposed to before so um, I think just realizing that kids are going to get sick they're honestly they're meant to get sick so that they can grow and develop um, and just so what are you going to do when when it happens uh, and are you going to be prepared and have you walked through that scenario in your head already. Absolutely. And I know ear infections can be so painful. And when you hear your child crying in pain, like you will just, you'll do just about anything to alleviate that as soon as possible. It's, it's a horrible thing to hear your child crying in pain. Mm -hmm. So expanding on that a little bit, why do we tend to treat ear infections the way that we do conventionally? with antibiotics, ear tubes, um, Mm -hmm. you know, drugs, procedures, things like that. Yes, I believe that the way that we treat reflects our innermost desires. You know, when we hear these kids crying, our innermost desire is for it to stop as quickly as possible. And antibiotics and tubes are a way of achieving that in most cases. Um, You know, if you are going to, um, you know, pop a tube through, the tympanic membrane and it's going to drain that it's going to immediately drain that pressure it's going to immediately get that that fluid pressure off of there and they're you know they're they're not going to feel that pain anymore and so mission accomplished if your mission is to have have them stop crying in the moment now um the way that we treat the uh, ear infections and our end goal i don't necessarily think that they always line up i think that People say, I want them to not have an ear infection anymore. I want them to stop getting these chronic ear infections. And for that case, I don't believe that antibiotics or tubes necessarily are the best choice because they don't remove the root cause of the ear infection. They just get that kid's symptoms to go away as quickly as possible. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... I mean, I think from my experience, my kids get a lot more ear infections than I do. I still get them as an adult once in a while, but mm-hmm. why is it that kids get ear infections more often than adults? Yeah, uh, you can probably Google this pretty pretty easily, or for those of you who are following along and you want to look at for a link in the show notes, maybe Rose can post a picture uh, of an 
ear of an infant, the inner ear and middle ear of an infant, and then the inner ear and middle ear of an adult. And what you will observe is that the eustachian tube in an adult is oriented downward. And so you even know this when you go to um, the doctor and they check in your ears, they typically grab on the top of your ear and they pull up and back. And that's so that they can orient their otoscope to be able to look downward and inward down that eustachian tube before they can see the, um, uh, or sorry, not not through the eustachian tube, uh, I don't want to misspeak, but downward so that they can see the tympanic membrane, which is then um, leading into the eustachian tube. Whereas in an infant, they actually grab on the lobe of the ear and they pull downward and backward because the orientation is different. And in order to see that tymp- that tympanic membrane or eardrum, um, they need to see it at a completely different angle. And you're like, well, what, you know, why is that important? It makes all the difference because uh, the way that an infant or a child's uh, uh, ear is oriented is very much closer to horizontal than in an adult. And when I'm explaining this in the office to parents, we live in a fairly rural area here in the 419. So a lot of people get this, especially now since we've gotten all this rain. If you're driving by a field and you've gotten a significant amount of rain, if the field doesn't have very good drainage tile underneath, so if it's not, if it's very horizontal and there's no way for it to drain, what's going to happen is it's going to build up stagnant water in that pool. And the, that field is going to be flooded. And if you have stagnant water sitting there for a long enough period of time in a field, eventually mosquitoes are going to lay their eggs in there. Bacteria is going to start growing in there. It's going to become a very nasty, smelly place. That's just what happens when fluid collects anywhere for any period of time. Well, the inner ear is no different. When you look at the inner and middle ear, if it's oriented very horizontally and has no way to drain, that stagnant fluid becomes a breeding ground for bacteria. And Uh that bacteria is what causes these infections to occur. Now, if you go back to the farm example and you um, ask yourself, well, what makes most sense? Should we bring a big big, uh, pump truck out there and and take a a hose into that uh, stagnant water and pump it out because that's essentially like what putting a tube in there is like you could pump it out. But what happens the next time it rains? Same exact dang thing happens. However, if you say, you know what, clearly that field isn't draining properly. Maybe we should fix the tile. Maybe we should grade the land. Maybe you should dig another ditch, something like that. Um, That will allow that field to drain properly. And as it was designed to drain, so that in the future, you're not going to have that stagnant water buildup. And that's kind of where uh, chiropractic comes into it, is that rather than treating the symptom of the actual infection once it's happened, we're trying to uh, trying to fix the root cause of it, which is a lack of drainage. And how the ear is designed to drain is down the eustachian tube. And sometimes that eustachian tube, which is, also, which is already very close to horizontal, can get, uh, if the, the top bone in the spine, the atlas bone, if it gets misaligned even slightly, it can cause that eustachian tube to go completely horizontal, making uh, drainage all but impossible. And so if we can adjust that, that top bone very gently um, and allow that eustachian tube to drain properly, that's, uh, that's the problem solved. So um, that's, yeah. that's uh, yeah, that's the big difference between kids and adults and kind of looping in chiropractic into it as well. Yeah. And I'm thinking forward to summertime swimming, which is going to happen soon now. Um, 
with kids, my kids especially, <laughs> love to be in the water and they're always getting water in their ears in the summertime and then getting the infections from the water sitting stagnant, like your example, you know, in the field. I don't know if they're growing mosquitoes in there, but yeah. I'm sure they're growing I something. Certainly <laughs> hope not. Yeah, I certainly hope not. It's probably worth mentioning too that um, the ear infections that I was talking about, uh, that's ot- uh, otitis interna. And uh-huh. uh, that's when you have fluid buildup behind the eardrum. The eardrum, the swimmer's ear that you're talking about, that's technically a different thing called otitis externa. And um, that has a different set of symptoms. It's still very painful, you know, and sometimes has a a bloody or pussy discharge. But that's actually on the outside of the the tympanic membrane. So it's a part of like the middle or outer ear. Um, Different, you know, similar similar situation, just a different direction of drainage. And the... The external ear infection, can that also be remedied with chiropractic? Um, Honestly, that's more so remedied by um, ensuring that the water in the water in the ear is drained properly um, on the external side of it. It's not really a chiropractic issue. It's more of a Mm -hmm. um, there's just bacteria that got in there that sat in there. It's not a drainage problem. It's um, they just need to get, they need to shake their head a little bit and get the, get the water out. Um, a really, a, a, a pretty good way of doing this that I know I always grew up, um, with my parents, they would put like a little bit of, um, tea tree oil on a, uh, cotton ball and put that in my ear, um, or like a little bit of garlic oil or something like that, that, um, is just very inhospitable to bacteria and, uh, and put that just on the external part of the ear. If you already have the, uh, the external ear infection going on. Other than that, just get the get the right. water out of there and that'll take care of it. Right. And I know like putting anything in your ear, you always want to make sure that you don't have a broken eardrum or anything like that because you don't want yeah. that going. You, you don't ever really want to put drum, anything correct. in your ear, in your ear. Um, the uh, yeah. the cotton ball very much was sitting on the outside, the the external portion of the ear. But yes, you you don't want to stick yes. anything in there. You don't want to rupture that that eardrum. That's quite painful. Right. Yes, it is. I know that from experience. I don't ever want to go through that again. Yeah, no, thank you. So let's talk about kids pulling on their ears. Now, I know that my kids pull on their ears when they're tired. Mm -hmm. I know that people talk about that being a sign of an ear infection. I know babies tend to do this a lot. Like my second really pulled on her ears a lot. Um, I don't know that she really had more ear infections than my first did, but definitely the ear pulling was there. So what do you know about this? Can you kind of clear up what this is about? Sure. Um, I'm happy to. If you uh, are interested in research and like validated good research, not like um, just random blogs and things like that, but, um, you know, research that might be um, verified and have um, links that might be um, peer-reviewed, um, PubMed kind of stuff. If you type in ear infections uh, into PubMed or otitis interna, uh, then you will pop up a bunch of different studies, and many of them you will see um, try to answer this question. And what they found is that they they find very little correlation between kids pulling on their ears and the presence or absence of an ear infection. So it's sort uh-huh. of one of those... Um, little bit of a, like an old wives tale. I mean, basically what they're saying is half the time that it happens, sure they could half the time that it happens, they probably, you know, they might not. 
Um, so we shouldn't be automatically treating children for an ear infection just because they're pulling on their ears. Correct. There's a, there's other there's other ways to diagnose it to you know utilize an otoscope and actually look in there, looking to see if the tympanic membrane is stressed, see if you can see the reflection of the light, see if there it looks red and angry, all of those different things. See if the the child is um, uh, portraying activity, you know, behavior that uh, would make you think that they are either running a fever or maybe they're teething as well, or maybe they you know all right. of these other things. The the history plays into it. But if the only thing that you see happening, you're like, oh, they're pulling on their ear a lot. Maybe I should take them into the, take them into the doctor because they probably have an ear infection. That's just not necessary uh, the most of the time. So, um, yeah, that's that's my little uh, PSA, I guess, uh, for that particular sign. Um, uh-huh. Like you wouldn't, you would never take, you know, one singular symptom of uh, of any of any diagnosis we're taught we're taught in in uh in school that a single you know a single symptom does not a diagnosis make you have to take an accurate history and so um the ear pulling is not enough to convince you or should not be enough to convince you that your child has an ear infection no matter what uh your family member uh may say right Mm -hmm. so i have a question about all of this if Mm -hmm. you are a parent and Let's say your child is getting a lot of ear infections. Would you suggest that you come in like you like say my my daughter, I'm pretty sure hypothetically has this ear infection. So mm-hmm. should I make an appointment with a chiropractor? Should I see if the adjustment helps? Would I expect to see a difference after the first adjustment? You know, if I don't, then should I go to a conventional doctor or is it better to just take a proactive approach and just get regular adjustments for a child who's prone to ear infections like how often would you come in can you explain some of that yeah i think that there were about three questions in there so i'll yes, try there to were. i'll try to back <laughs> i'm just trying to look at like the whole overall scenario like how would we go about addressing this this issue the right way, the most effective way sure. for a child who's prone to ear infections, especially yes. babies, because I feel like a lot of people are iffy about taking babies to the chiropractor. And I know that's something too. You have to make sure that it's a chiropractor who's trained to work with really young children. So let's address all of that. <laughs> okay. Got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope that's so yeah. not too much. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, just uh, hopefully you wrote all those down. So if I don't hit them all, you can uh, <laughs> get them back. So uh, in the perfect world, every single child after they are born becomes adjusted. Um, there's one particular uh, infant study that uh, they took 1,250 babies uh, within five day, first five days of them being born, and uh, 270 of them were found to be extremely symptomatic, meaning they were colicky or refluxy or diarrhea or, you know, failure to thrive, whatever it might have been. And, and were these babies born, babies. I'm sorry, were the, ba- were the babies vaginally birthed or were they cesarean or um, none of those, none of those were subsected out. So okay. these were just, these were just, this is just a, 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 a what's the word? A sample of, births just as they normally would come into any particular hospital or a birthing center or whatever. So it wasn't okay. necessarily a study on the birthing process. So it was more so 
a cross section of just average America and okay. what's and what the birthing process effect might have on babies as a, as a typical America uh, American facility might see. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So um, out of those babies, <clears throat> out of those two hundred seventy babies, uh, they were um, they were all tested to to look for vertebral subluxation or, or pressure right at their brainstem immediately following birth or within five days of being born, and they found that the vast majority of those kids had this pressure on their nerve system. And most of them had the pressure right up at their, their brainstem level because of the birthing process. The, the main lever um, utilizes that is the head and neck. And even in the best case yeah. scenario, there's still some pressure that is placed and, and twisting pressure that's placed on the babies when they're being born. Um, so it, uh, it, it sets these kids up for um, problems down the road. So they might not see it immediately, but they uh, then down the, down the road, um, these kids start to develop issues um, concerned primarily with that upper cervical region. And ear infections is one of them. So to answer your questions in a perfect world, kids will have already been adjusted leading up to this crucial age where they might just start being um, uh, exposed to pathogens that could get into their ears, maybe their teething, you know, all these different kinds of things that lead into it. Um, and they will be set up for success because they're already well adjusted. That's the best case scenario. The second best case scenario is <clears throat> your child is in the middle of an ear infection and you recognize it. Maybe you even have it diagnosed or maybe you have an otoscope at home and you, you know, you take a look. Um, yes, whatever I do. Your, your scenario might be. <laughs> What's that? I said, yes, I do. I do look. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's little disturbing simple, sometimes, the things that I see. <laughs> yeah, I know. It looks like a, the surface of the moon sometimes in there. but um, It is, but it's very it's very easy to see if something's going on. If you have an otoscope or you want to try it, for those of you at home, you have to be careful, of course, when you're putting something in your child's ear. But if you do it regularly and look at their ears when you think that they're they have healthy ears, and then you look in when they um, have a suspected ear infection, you can usually see something going on in there. So it's not real hard to tell. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, obviously um, you're not, you're not practicing medicine without a license. You're just doing everything you can trying to observe, you know, your child and, uh, and best serve them before and identify the, the, the need to, to take them to a further professional, but um, exactly. Yes. So yeah, um, if they're in the middle of it, then yes, the 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 idea would then you would be able to um, look up, and I believe I gave you this link for the show notes, but you could go to icpa4kids.com. That's a great resource to be able to identify a chiropractor in your area that is on the list of International Chiropractic Pediatric Associations um, like recommended doctor list. So if they're members of that, then they're on there and. Uh, if they are, then odds are they see a, see at least a, a few kids, I would think. But um, we see a ton of kids, so my dad and I are both on that uh, are both on that list. But uh, so if you find a doctor like that, then you can go see them, and they would be able to get the child adjusted. Now, one thing you have to understand is that if you go on PubMed and you look up these studies again, you'll find that the vast majority of ear infections, by doing absolutely nothing should self-resolve within nine uh, within nine days. I believe the actual stat is that 80% of them resolve within nine days. And so with chiropractic, um, you should be thinking like within like a, a five, six, seven day window, if you get them adjusted on day three, 
you know, give them, give them a week. And if they haven't, if they haven't changed at that point in time, then maybe give it, a, this is my thought process as a parent more so than, um, than, a, than a chiropractor or a doctor. If uh-huh. I get them adjusted and it, and it didn't change at all, I would probably give it just a few more days to see if it resolved on its own. Um, however, and is that because uh, you need to give it some time to drain? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not like a release the floodgate. It all, you know, goes out. It's a very, very small tube. And if you've ever, if you know what a capillary tube is, we use them in chemistry class. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, but they're they're very small in diameter, and when you suck up that amount of fluid, and then even if you try and you know shake all the fluid out, it takes time for that for gravity to affect that fluid in that tiny tube. Same thing happens in the uh, the eustachian tube. It's a very small, especially in the child, very small lumen or interior of that tube, and the the fluid has surface area that sticks to the edges of the tube, and it of course it's not just water too. It also has stuff in it that makes it a little bit. Um, more viscous or sticky and uh and it'll take a little bit a little bit longer for it to uh drain out so yeah give it a couple of days and at that point in time the child a you observe them and they seem to still be in the same amount of discomfort b you observe in their ear and that looks unchanged and see maybe their fever hasn't changed that sort of thing at that point in time i would say you have done everything prudent to see if you can handle it naturally and on your own. And then at that point in time, it could be a great thing to be able to take them into the, um, to, to the medical doctor to be able to utilize the, the tools that they have at their disposal as well. All right. Thanks for clearing that up. That's something that I had wondered. And, you know, on my mom's groups that I'm in, like my breastfeeding group and the holistic mom's group and things like that, I see people posting about this all the time. And, you know, we as moms get so much advice from so many people Uh and (laughs) people who are professionals and people who aren't. And, you know, ear infections are one of those things that is, it's so hard to, you can't really diagnose it on your own. Like you said, I mean, you can look in there with the otoscope and see if something's going on, but you don't know, you don't know if it's viral. You don't know if it's bacterial. You, even a doctor has trouble telling you, you know, what, what caused it a lot of times. And then the, some doctors want to give up antibiotics right away. Some are um, more on the fence about those things these days because of the overuse of antibiotics. And there's, then there's these moms that say, oh, just like put a bunch of garlic oil in there, like, you know, like dropping garlic oil. And, you know, first of all, I know that we shouldn't be putting things in the ear. And second, if it's an, uh, an inner ear infection, you know, that oil is not going to reach the infection anyway. So there's just all this varying information. And then in the breastfeeding world, the lactation consultants, some of them say, you know, um, you shouldn't be doing um, co-sleeping sideline nursing because that will allow fluid to build up in the ears. And then other people say, no, no, the, the breast milk actually helps prevent ear infections. So (laughs) there's just all this varying information. And I'm really glad that we talked about this a little bit tonight, because it's good to know that, you know, there is a, it doesn't have to be um, an emergency. I mean, unless I think unless your child is really in intolerable pain, which it does come down to sometimes Mm -hmm. um, that there is something we can try before we give antibiotics, because I mean, let's face it, we all know the overuse of antibiotics um, is not such a good thing. And then early in life, the whole, which we've talked about on this podcast before, the 
the um, microbiome in the gut. You know, you don't want to screw that up. So yeah, it's, it's great to have this information and to kind of have a, I think for people who are expecting a child or have a young baby to kind of have a plan, you know, think about what you're going to do ahead of time. And then for us who have older kids who are sometimes prone to ear infections to know that we have uh, an alternative that we can try instead of just rushing off to the doctor and also going into the doctor's office, all the other sick kids are there. So we always end up picking up something else while we're (laughs) at the doctor. (laughs) It's a tough tough spot to be in for sure. You don't want to find yourself. So the best, the best uh, uh, practice as always is just trying to stay healthy is a lot easier than trying to get healthy. And uh, if you have to utilize that system, it's, um, you know, I know I've, I've known and and thanks to even the, um, the uh, health fair that you put on, I made a great friend um, in Jenny Flagar, Dr. Flagar. Yes, we love Jenny. Yeah. So there are some great, um, there are some great medical practitioners there as well who have your best interests in mind um, that will do what it takes, but uh, will also ensure that they are doing the, the first stitch effort, least, least invasive, least expensive, you know, uh, things first before moving on to more invasive, um, more expensive things as well. And chiropractic will always serve as, you know, a, a least in, non-invasive, completely non-invasive uh, uh, procedure that will never, um, it should always be the, the first thing as opposed to the last stitch effort. Once you've already done three sets of tubes and all these antibiotics, I see a lot of kids that way yeah. <clears throat> where they, the parents come in and they said, yeah, he, he's already had tubes twice. They didn't work. He's already had antibiotics 18 times. They didn't oh, no. work. They didn't help me. Well, it's like, yeah, but it should have been reversed. And I, uh, I hope that this podcast serves as a way of at least reaching one family that might be listening that's considering different things and maybe for their own fears or misconceptions about what chiropractic is for a child. Um, it's on, it's, it's on their, uh, it's on their, it's their onus to be able to um, alleviate those fears with information. And hopefully by going to the resource links that you've um, that you'll put in the show notes, I gave um, one research study that was linked, um, gave a, a, a link to find a pediatric chiropractic chiropractor in your area um, I link yes. to our website cause there's good research on there as well. So, um, yeah, I think, I think all of those are really good. ICPA for kids is a really good one. Um, uh, and then of course, rebelchiropractic.com is our, uh, website that has really great resources as well. Yeah. And then you have on here, um, gonstead.com and that's G O N S T E A D.com. What can we find there? Yeah, that's correct. So the technique that uh, we practice at Rebel is called the Gonstead technique. Uh, if you ask any chiropractor uh, if they, you know, if they're board certified, they'll say yes. And uh, they had to take a four-part national board, and as a part of that four-part national board, that national board is based on uh, what's known as the Gonstead technique, or what has been known as for the past fifty years as the gold standard of chiropractic in that uh, in that technique that is utilized. Um, all chiropractors have to understand the basic listings that this technique uh, created uh, back in shoot back in the 1950s. But it was a way that all chiropractors can communicate um, effectively across the nation and, and cross refer uh, patients to each other and knowing exactly what's going on. So it's the Gonstead method is not just a way of adjusting; it's a way of analyzing 
for subluxation in, in these individuals. And as a part of the technique, there's a way to treat everyone from infants all the way up to geriatric individuals um, and everybody in between. So Gonstead.com will help you find a Gonstead-specific chiropractor. And if you kind of cross-reference that with the ICPA for kids, you will also be able to find uh, people on both lists that are both uh, pediatric-oriented and also Gonstead-oriented. That would be my recommendation. Or they can just call you and go to Waterville and get adjusted. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in the 419, if you're anywhere from uh, from the Defiance to the east side of Toledo, anywhere from Sylvania all the way down to Finley, that's where the probably about 80% of our people come from um, uh-huh. is, is that radius right there. So if there's anything that we can do for you, that's uh, where to find us in beautiful Waterville, Ohio, right off the, the 24 bypass. It is beautiful. And we like to go to... Um... Oh, now I'm forgetting the name. It's a little park there. Farnsworth? Oh, it's, Farnsworth a, Park? What'd you say? Farnsworth? Yeah. Oh, Farnsworth right on the river is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a nice little playground there that my kids like to go to. So what is your phone number there at Rebel Chiropractic? At the office, it is 419, of course, 878-8142. 878 All right. Well, thanks for being here again. This was really interesting and absolutely no judgment to anybody who needs to utilize conventional medicine either. I mean, I I have two kids and one of them we treated with uh, chiropractic for ear infections and had to go more of a conventional route after that. And the other one, boy, we've been lucky. Chiropractic adjustments have just been the trick for her. So you just never know, but, um, it was great to know about this option and I feel like I learned a little bit and I hope our listeners did too. So thanks so much, Tyler. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right. Have a great evening. Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast. Do you know someone who could benefit from the information you just heard? Share the love by sharing this episode. Want to connect online? Check out thrivetribe419.com to leave a review or check out more episodes. You can also join the conversation by searching for Thrive Tribe 419 on Facebook or Instagram. See you next time. Keep thriving.